The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hey, this is Travis Beecham, writer of Pacific Rim, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Jess. And this episode, well, it's going to be an interview-focused episode, because this is another show spiraling out of our convention coverage from the summer. San Diego Comic-Con! That's right! If you didn't uh, catch our previous show from the convention floor, Jess and I were actually recording from a hotel room in uh, San Diego and playing an interview from the previous month's convention we attended, Heroes Con. This time, we are, in fact, playing a recording from San Diego Comic-Con, where we talked with Jeffrey Morris, the founder of Future Dude, a transmedia company telling incredible hard science fiction stories, I guess is probably the best way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and really, really cool stuff where he actually talks with scientists and engineers to make sure what he's portraying in both film and comic book mediums or graphic novel mediums is scientifically accurate. So it's it's really exciting, cool stuff if you like science and not the fake science that we see in a lot of Hollywood. Or, or even books. Or even books. Yeah, we, we won't get started on that. No. I guess without uh, treading into any kind of spoilers, here's our interview with Jeffrey Morris, a future dude. Hey guys, this is Cap. And Jess. And we're here with Jeffrey Morris, the founder of Future Dude. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Let's talk about Future Dude, because it's a pretty crazy company. You're doing transmedia stuff, you're doing comics, films, telling stories across all those mediums. What's this project all about? It goes way back to when I was a small child. You know, there was the Apollo program going on, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I saw people going to the moon, and I thought, that's going to be me someday. You know, I would connect that with watching the original Star Trek after school every day. And I was like, man, okay, so if we're going to the moon right now, then clearly we can be, uh, you know, on the Starship Enterprise 300 years from now. And I want to be part of that continuum. And somehow by the mid-70s, I kind of sensed that it wasn't going to turn out the way that it looked. We weren't going to have flying cars. We weren't going to have jetpacks, all those things. And when I saw Star Wars as a kid, a lot of my friends were into the action figures and stuff. I was interested in how they made the film. Because what I wanted to do was grow up to make movies about the kind of reality that I wanted to live in. And I thought maybe that could help motivate the world to move in a faster direction, you know, toward a cooler, more interesting future. You know, so I wanted to tell those sorts of stories. So I literally got on this path back in grade school. I decided I was going to make movies about the future and and tell stories. I've uh, simultaneously, I studied uh, a lot of science and got involved in education, those sorts of things, and kind of unified them all together. So hard sci-fi is what you're all about then? Absolutely, hard sci-fi. I grew up reading Arthur C. Clarke, Ben Bova, watching movies like 2001, all that kind of stuff, and it just really hit me. A lot of your material is actual, like, real science in with entertainment. Can you speak a bit about your process? What do you research? How do you go about this? For example, with our project Oceanus, the underwater adventure, one of the things we did is we talked to uh, Story Musgrave, who was the astronaut who repaired the uh, Hubble telescope. 
Uh, he's got wow. all kinds of information on procedures and how you work underwater and how you work. They have to do a lot of stuff underwater to prepare yeah. for space, right? So we talked about a lot of that, and it was interesting talking to an astronaut about how do we do things underwater. But I, I feel like they're very similar environments. They're both alien environments that try to kill you, you know. So you know what I mean. So it was like it, it, it made sense to me. So I, you know, I talked to a lot of guys from NASA. Kevin Grazier, who was the science advisor for the movie Gravity and for uh, Battlestar Galactica, a friend of mine. We talked a lot about, you know, like where would we build an underwater city, you know, and that kind of thing. So when we tell the location of where the city is in Oceanus, it's like a real place you could really build an underwater city, you know. We looked at the whole Earth and said, what's the best spot? And so it, that kind of thing makes it really interesting. And I, I don't want to make educational stuff, quote unquote. I and I'm not look, trying to preach or anything. I just think it's more interesting to tell realistic stories from the ground up, because to me it inspires more creativity. I actually think anyone can just make stuff up. But if you look at reality and you stay within the confines of that and you're forced to tell a story that way, I think it's really interesting. You're doing kind of a, a dangerous thing here. Like, this is risky business getting into this industry. We've seen so many things happen, like even going way back to cross-gen comics back in the day, just attempting to start a universe with a multi-genre approach and so on. So what's it been like trying to break in? We've gotten really good reviews on our material. Certainly, Parallel Man. Anyone who reads that thing seems to like it. You know, they, they like the series. People, it was very highly reviewed on our site. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. I put a lot into it. It's my Star Wars in a lot of ways. You know, I was trying to say if I was going to make a Star Wars style story, but set it in the multiverse. That's what Parallel Man is. It's interesting though because it's about getting traction. Our sales have been okay. People don't know who we are, you know, and so the, the key has been, you know, we're not trying to compete with the Avengers. We're not trying to compete with Marvel and DC. We're trying to find a new audience of people who feel underserved right now. And so I think figuring that out is going to be the, the key. I think there are millions of people out there who are not satisfied with what's going on with, with movies and TV these days and who want something new. And, you know, we're all addicted to genre, so we're, we're going to go see these films anyway. But I think there's room for something new, you know. And so that's why I took the risk. I wrote a business plan. I have an IP catalog with over 30 ideas I've developed over the years. And I decided to start, you know, launching this company. So I raised some money and I have investors who believe in me and I'm doing it. I'm going for it. Your most recent release is Oceanus, which has a very sexy trailer with some Thomas Dolby music over it, which uh, plucks my heartstrings personally. What can you tell us about that particular project? Well, first off, I want to say thanks to Thomas Dolby for uh, giving us the rights to that song. You know, I, I actually interviewed him for my blog. He's one of the first interviews I did when I launched Future Dude as a blog in 2012. And uh, I've always been a fan of Thomas Dolby. I think he's awesome, and his, his music's great. And that was one of my favorite songs of all time. I had this fan who was looking at some of the footage from Oceanus. He's like, you know, this reminds me of that Thomas Dolby song. I was like, you know what? I know Thomas Dolby. I'm going to contact him and see if he'll let us use it. And he did. He let us use the song. So I just wanted to say, I think it's really cool that you like that. We love him. Yeah, he's awesome. So anyway, Oceanus, you know, it's a passion project for me. It's kind of like my chance to do Star Trek, except doing it underwater, in a way. I wanted to tell a realistic story that was set in the near future that was within our lifetimes that felt like it was possible and plausible at the same time. So I can't tell you enough how excited I am about the project. And, you know, we're developing it as a full feature film we're planning to shoot next year. It was originally just a proof of concept that I was doing to show what I could do as a director and show the idea. But people liked it so much that we were like, let's just keep going. And I was able to get Malcolm McDowell to come out at kind of the 11th hour and do the voice for the computer in the, in the piece, so which was awesome. So like all of a sudden in my first film, I'm working with Malcolm McDowell, I worked with Bruce Davison. I mean, these are actors that I've loved, you know, for years, you know, so it was really, really cool. That's amazing. I mean, you're, you're approaching this as, you know, a fan and a creator and, and creating. And I think what you said earlier is true about people being unsatisfied with these films. We're seeing them anyway, but yeah. the standards are getting lower. And every time someone does a truly remarkable project, it's lifted on this new plateau. Yeah. 
but there should just be more better films. There's, just, there's no reason why there can't be better stuff out there, you know, and I think that there's, there are too many films being made by committee. People are worried about the box office, and so they shove all these elements together, and it's not really a story anymore. You know, We don't care about the characters as much. That's what I want for my stories. I want people to care about the characters. I mean, if you read Parallel Man, I think we see some really interesting characters and really interesting dynamics that happen there and surprises. So, you know, And Oceanus is going to have the exact same thing. They're, it's going to go in directions you're never going to expect. Looking further out from Oceanus, you've already tackled some exciting genres and stories. What else are you looking towards? We're really headed toward focusing on feature films. That's really what we're going to be about. What I want to do is do a trilogy of films based upon Oceanus, the universe there. If you watch the short, there's a cataclysmic event that happens in the story, and that event is going to be motivating a lot of other concepts in my IP universe. You know, So it's like I, uh, I've got Venus, which is going to be a prequel to Oceanus. There's a, an aspect of artificial intelligence. When you get into the Oceanus feature, you're going to encounter this mechanism called an exosphere, and it's capable of... Uh, quantum intelligence, let's put it that way. And this quantum intelligence is going to be, you're going to see it showcased in Venus. We've actually released Venus as a graphic novel back in 2012. And so Lance Reddick from uh, Fringe and uh, The Wire, he's going to star in that film. So that's going to be my second movie. And then there's my third film is called Earth vs. Moon. And it's actually in part of the same universe. It's going to be about a group of uh, uh, scientists living on the moon who have to fend off a, an attack. So it's going to be really interesting. It's like, what do you do if you're trying to fight a military incursion using science, basically? Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. So that's, that's going to be my third film. You know, so then beyond that trilogy, I've had a lot of interest in Oceanus as a TV series. I think we're going to look at doing something with that. And I've even figured out a way to include dinosaurs. I've decided, <laughs> I've decided I'm going to make my own kind of Jurassic Park sort of thing. I've got kids who love Jurassic Park, and they're just addicted to it. You know, My stepson's actually studying paleontology because he saw Jurassic Park as a small child. And everybody's like, dinosaurs, dinosaurs. That's why we put them in Parallel Man. I put them in there because of dinosaurs. So I even found a way to get dinosaurs into Oceanus. It's hard to explain. You'll see. It's pretty cool. So. Well, if there's anything the latest Jurassic World needs, it's more hard actual science. So we look forward to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to. I'm just going to kind of leave it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your method for distribution for all these? I assume you're kind of going outside the normal channels here. Yeah, you know, I'm not trying to challenge Hollywood. I, we certainly, like, we're producing our films in Hollywood. And I love the talent and the people we're working with. I think it's fantastic. But I'm trying to distribute this stuff outside of it in a way that can uh, reach fans. Like I said, people like myself who are dissatisfied and want something different. So, you know, we're working with Vimeo. Vimeo's a partner of ours. We're really excited about that. Oceanus, they were uh, kind enough to make Oceanus a staff pick, and it's available there on Vimeo On Demand for download. We're also going to be on iTunes and Google Play and Amazon in about a month. Uh, the Blu-ray of Oceanus is on Amazon. All of our products is on Amazon and Comixology. Uh, Comixology is another great partner of ours, which has been great. You know, so our stuff, you know, we have ways you can get it, but I'm hoping that our distribution is going to get bigger and bigger as time goes on as we build more fans. And we'll have links to where you can check out all that stuff on this episode's page. You've got a really awesome animated presentation for Parallel Man. Are we going to see more animation from Future Dude? Absolutely. Here's a shout out. We uh, got it over to some people at the Cartoon Network. Okay. All right. We got to get, get the Cartoon Network to pick this thing up because I think we've got a hell of a series. And we've, we've actually plotted out 13 episodes of Parallel Man. And if you like the seven issues we did, which is in a collected trade paperback that's going to come out in August, that story, we expanded it into these 13 episodes. So the places you get to go, you get to see more Parallel Earths in the series. We have all kinds of cool things we do to uh, uh, Nick and his doppelganger, Nicholas. Nicholas is a character I really, really enjoy. You know, he's kind of the gamer, nerdy guy, you know, from our universe who ends up partnering 
with his super agent version from another universe. So it's pretty cool when you see what happens with this series. I think you know, kind of so. an Arnold Rimmer, Ace Rimmer. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, you know, so you see, for me with Parallel Man, I was kind of looking at it like, originally, I was going to have the gamer forced into a situation where he had to replace the uh, the hero. And so I was going to kind of kill the hero off in the first, you know, few issues and then have him. And I was like, you know, I'm having so much fun writing these two guys together. Let's just keep it that way, you know, the whole time, right? And so it was like having Peter Parker and Spider-Man partnered, basically, or Superman and Clark Kent partnered. You know, that was really, it's really fun. It's a great way to explore it. And so um, we're going to expand that and, and really, really play with it and have some fun, you know. And I was really honored to get to work with, like, John Cho doing the voice of Nick. Uh, Ming-Na Wen, I got to work with her doing the voice of uh, Mackenzie, the villain. And then also Lance Reddick, who, again, I'm working with on other projects. Lance did uh, Atlas, the AI. And so we had some really powerful star influence on that first project, which was really fun, you know. And so I want to take that further. I, mean, I think all of them would be willing to keep coming back and doing it. So Cartoon Network, please give us a shot. We think, like, all those people who love Tron Uprising, I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, yeah, no, okay. we, we deeply lament the passing of Tron what Uprising. What happened? Why? I don't, I don't, Disney, why? Tron Uprising was awesome, and we think that we could fill that space with Parallel Man. You know, we really do. We think we can do animation on par with that. If you see the short, which is available on Vimeo and on YouTube, it's out there just for free. You can watch it. It's really just to show what we can do with the universe. Good, I'm glad. Dramatic television animation has a tough time out there. It really does. It really does. And that's been something I've been struggling with is like, how do I get across the line? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Fine with this, you know, because I, I want to have a serious, not comedy, you know, it has funny moments, but Parallel Man needs to be taken seriously, like Tron Uprising, you know, it's, it's an adult. People kept looking at it going, okay, well, this is not like Attack on Titan, and it's not, you know, this really, no, it's not. <laughs> They're like, okay, but it's not a really kid thing either. It's like, no, it's just kind of cool. <laughs> Truly all ages material exactly. makes people uncomfortable. They want to yeah. put everybody in boxes. Exactly. They want to put it in boxes, and that, you know, something, it's, it's interesting you talk about that, because that's something that our brand is going to try to break through on, is to say, you know, like, if you watch the original Star Wars, that was something that parents could watch, kids could watch it, old people could watch, everybody could watch it, right? Yeah. That's the stuff I'm trying to make. It's not kiddie stuff, and it's not super adult, it's like just general audience. You know, so that's what I'm trying to do. I think that uh, that our fan base can really jive to that. That's awesome. that's kind of our bag. Okay, cool. Well, that's what we're doing. That's what Future Dude's all about. You know, the other thing I want to plug is also the fact that we're not going to have any sexism. I don't like that in the comic book world. I think that it's so disappointing to me to see the way that this is perpetuated. You know, and with our characters, we try to create really strong female role models. We have a lot of characters who are of color in our stories. You know, the diversity is really important to us. I want to create characters that can be heroes for young people who read and watch our material, you know, and go, hey, I want to be that guy, or, I, you know, I could be her when I grow up. That's something that's really important to me. 
the female lead in uh, Oceanus. I wanted to create a female character who was as strong as Ripley in Alien. That's what I really wanted to do, you know. And one of the things that happened when I, even the casting people I talked to in LA, they were like, "Well, you need to get somebody who's younger." Well, I intentionally cast her as mid forties because she's a PhD. She's a, a whale biologist. It's like she's not going to be twenty two. You know, it's just not going to happen. You know, it's not it's not real, and that drives me crazy in these movies. You know, so we have two characters in their forties. There's nothing wrong with that. When I was a kid and I was watching the old sci-fi I was into, the characters were at least mid-40s. And, and like um, Space 1999 that I grew up with, the main character that was my favorite, he was a guy in his, like, his 50s or 60s. You know, it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know? um, I also didn't give her the female uniform. You know, with right. the little, you know, it's like, they have the same uniform. It's okay. You know? So that's just where I'm coming from. You know, nothing against the other stuff, but I, I don't want to perpetuate it. That's great. Everything you're saying here, absolutely. really excited. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I really cannot wait to see more. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys giving me the time and talking to me about this. It really, it really means a lot. I'm trying to find folks like you guys because I know we're out there. We're out there. And I'm, I'm trying to be a champion for this type of content. Let's make it happen. I'm buying everything you're selling. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Jeffrey, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. So, of course, we're going to have links to where you can check out those comics, films, and everything else Future Dude related on this episode's page. But... We're not done here. We've got a lot more stuff to do, including a special announcement. We are at long last launching a listener survey. It is out right now. If you go to nerdyshow.com slash survey or follow the links on this episode's page. And we have two versions. We got a short version and a much longer version. Short version should be about 10 minutes. But if you take the long one, it's extensive. But this survey is super duper important because... We want to build the biggest, best nerdy show of all time, and we need your help. Yeah, mainly we, we also don't want to build something that you, know, you guys don't want to listen to. And as the engineer who loves data, the more people that answer the questions, the better the network that we'll build. Yeah, and it's not just nerdy show the show. There's questions about each individual show on the network, nerdy FM, the video content we produce, basically the entirety of the nerdy show network. So if you've got an opinion you want to share, then by God, share that opinion. We need it. Absolutely. Uncle Sam finger pointing at you now. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And as you may remember, we applied for a pretty sizable grant a couple months back. We're qualified to be in the running for said grant. Thanks to you guys and your awesome votes. The odds are still very much against us. We're not getting our hopes up and planning for this $100,000 landing in our lap come September. But it could happen. And when it does, we want to be prepared. And this is part of that preparation. But it's also preparation that will last us through to the end of time, as long as Nerdy Show is alive. We want your feelings, your desires to light our way. And of course, you guys do so much to support us. We got some new backers on our Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdyshow. We got Kali Wolf, Daniel Fowler, and Tyler Carnivale. Mm. A very exciting name. That is a very exciting name. We also got a one-time donation from Robert Lickens, which I hope I've said your name right. And that's also a cool name. Lickens. Like, he's real good at some things. Ooh. And he says, Lightning Dogs, great show. I found you guys through Ghostbusters Resurrection, moved on to Pokeballs of Steelix, and then you won me over fully with the Lightning Dogs howl noise. In fact, I just re-listened to that seven-episode run yesterday, because Robert is cool as hell. I should also back up and say that Lightning Dogs is our conceptual accident that we had. If you go to nerdyshow.com slash lightning dogs, we accidentally invented the greatest 
late 80s, early 90s animated series that never existed and have spent seven whole episodes fleshing it out to the point that now we are constructing a formal story Bible for the inevitable show that will come. Robert goes on to say, you mentioned that she wrote a six-page comic a couple of years ago. Multiple Google searches turned up fruitless. Is there any way I could see it? Looking forward to more great content. Robert was right. Back in 2013, we did talk about how we were writing a six-page comic, and we did write it. But unfortunately, the comic project it was attached to, an anthology series, it fell apart, and so there was no uh, motivating factor for us to finish that up, especially because we were still very deep into actually creating the world of Lightning Dogs, and the story we wrote was something we could kind of get away with telling without knowing the full extent of all the characters and so on. So, since he asked, I have posted it up. It is on the Lightning Dogs thread on the Nerdy Show forums, and we'll link to that specific post on this episode's page, and you can check out the uh, Lightning Dogs six-page comic that never was and someday still could be. See what happens, fans, when you give us feedback? Just another plug for the survey. Hey! <laughs> but that's not all. No. What? There's more? There is more. We got to give monthly shoutouts to all the awesome people backing us at $10 or more on Patreon. First, we've got Stephen Pingle. Evan Thompson. Caitlin Kruger. Sage Zero. Stephen Peckham. Kayalis. Red Iron. Manypedia. Mighty Matthew Cox. Jeffrey Voss. Shanti Red. Mauron. Kurt Fortenberry. Dr. Talos. Eric Maxiner. Joshua Westfall. Brian Schulman. Kevin Wise. Sean Lawler. Temsu. Garrier. David Van Pelt. Ice Abyss. R. Scott Dierich. And Bradley Wilk. Thank you guys so, so much. You guys are the best. And if you'd like to have your name read or get any one of the other innumerable perks, including the uh, roundtable conversations that Jess and I were a part of with the teams from Adventure Time, Steven Universe, Uncle Grandpa, and Regular Show, then uh, you should check out all of our amazing perks available only to our Nerdy Show patrons. And, uh, you know, actually, after um, San Diego Comic-Con, that was not the last convention of the season for me. I also went to Tucson, Arizona, and went to Camp Fangamer. Was that as awesome as you thought it was going to be? And more? Uh, yes, Jess, it was. And more. <laughs> it was amazing. Celebrating 20 years of Earthbound, the biggest cult video game hit of all time. It was incredible. And um, there's an article coming out very, very soon chronicling everything I saw and did and experienced at that thoroughly immersive two-day event. Man, just nonstop surprises and, uh, and a really wonderful group of people all bound together with a very specific nerd love. I'll say this in short, this was not done with the same resources that Secret Cinema did with them recreating a third-scale version of Hill Valley for their Back to the Future celebration, but it was done with the same amount of love and an amazing feat for a niche fan community. A truly amazing feat. Cap's going to make you wish you were there. Yeah, and uh, make you wish that there's going to be another one, which there could be, but uh, that's, not, uh, that's not known presently. Ah. I also uh, put on a couple panels that uh, everybody seemed to like a whole bunch, and uh, they like them so much that I'm actually going to be publishing versions of them as articles. Sweet! Yeah, on the subject of the pop culture influences on creating the entire Earthbound slash Mother series, and also all of the darkness inherent in the, uh, the storylines. I'm intrigued. And hopefully everybody else will be too. So look forward to the Camp Fangamer event coverage and then also those two articles digging deep into the history of the Mother and or Earthbound series coming very soon to nerdyshow.com. That is all we have for you today. 
Tune in next week when we'll see the return of Nerdy Show Book Club. Whoa! Yeah, I didn't tell you about that. (laughs) That happened. Awesome. Uh, But it's not what you think, actually. It's a prologue to the future of Book Club. So um, if you read Ocean at the End of the Lane, when we uh, set that up as our next community read-along book, oh, ever so long ago, well, it's time to dust that off and maybe reread it, because I know I'm going to have to. But this episode is not about that. That's the following episode. This is a prologue episode with just Colin and I recounting but a few of the books we've read since Nerdy Show Book Club inadvertently went on hiatus. Thank you so much for listening. Taking Us Out is a recent track from Insane Ian featuring Bone Cage. He said, So, when driving to see this summer's most epic remake slash reboot of a classic 80s franchise, I found myself singing the theme song to another 80s franchise that's also having a remake slash reboot this year. This is Fury Road, a parody of the Lindsay Buckingham classic from National Lampoon's Vacation, Holiday Road. Vacation comes out this week, and our very own Chan Sterling caught a special sneak preview. We'll link to his video review on this episode's page. But for now, here's Fury Road by Insane Ian featuring Bone Cage. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Jess. I found out from the Morton for listening to nerdy show if you like what you heard please rate and review us on itunes or like and follow us on soundcloud as listener supported entertainment we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the nerdy show network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via patreon any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes episodes and images from across the network and there's even more perks available just head to patreon.com slash nerdy show to find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other nerdy show programming visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships you can subscribe to Nerdy Show via iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a comment, like and share, and follow Nerdy Show on all your favorite social networks. 
For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. If it's geeky, we got it covered. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.